Good evening, cruisers. Welcome back to the show, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks so much for tuning in to my podcast. Also, a million thanks for sharing with friends and family. Word of mouth is truly the best way for the show to grow. As the show grows, the bigger the cars will have to get and the longer the line of cruises will become as we explore the cutting edge together. The more cruisers there are, the more ideas we can float around and discuss, which is a positive thing. So please do share. Now, on that note, I have a few announcements to make for the show while we fuel up for the ride ahead and then we can buckle up for the main attraction. I've made a little trailer for the show for those who are just getting to know the style of, of this uh, episode and, and these, these episodes that I'm producing and uh, might be interested in who I am besides a heavy breather. And that's a reference to the first episode I put out. Apologies for that. I'm using my little headset microphone and I must have been feeling some sort of way because it was a deep and sudden breath, a release, if you will. I have no idea. It's a quality mic, I'll just say that. The other announcement I have to announce is that I have decided to pursue creating a community for the show, or at least a sort of feedback loop. So I've asked my old uh, co-host from college, David Kosakowski, to help me with this, and he is a master genius at Reddit. Uh, and so we are creating a sub-channel on Reddit. I feel like that fits the vibe of the show. A lot of um, interesting channels are on Reddit as well. So please do check it out. It's going to be r slash cruising. r slash cruising is a sub a subreddit or sub-channel. Don't know how exactly they call it, but we'll be posting all our cool stories and links to episodes uh, on that channel. Also, um, I've been fixing to uh, release a, a website for the show where y'all can write to me through it and also see the latest podcast and also support um, the show. But I, I realized you could just do that through Anchor. So if you go to anchor.fm slash wellington dash uh they that will bring up the show uh, the show's website where you can see all the latest episodes and, and support the show um financially that is. also also leave feedback there's a really interesting messaging feature there so it'll just let me know everything that you have on your mind so please check that out um i know it's a little confusing but anyway it's anchor.fm slash wellington W-E-L-L-I-N-G-T-O-N dash Froelich F-R-O-E-L-I-C-H F-R-O-E-L-I-C-H Okay. So, let's see. Um, by the way, folks, I am looking for someone who might be interested in designing a logo for me. I have some thoughts and I know of at least one artist in the audience, so let me know. Now, it's about that time, y'all. Let's hop on to the luxurious leather bench seats. I've got to forgo the bucket seat imagery now that we are growing. And let's put some rubber to the road. Today's topic of interest is in the realm of material science engineering. Last week, we stopped off in a town in Massachusetts called Booster, where we talked about predicting molecular muscle motion. I guess throughout the week, we had uh, some really bad issues with the acceleration pedal. Yeah, I completely fell off. Uh, so we had to push it to the nearest town, which happened to be something called Boston. And it so happens there's a university in town. Actually, a few, but never mind that. Uh, and I think it starts with an M. And the one I'm thinking about ends with a T. 
I forget. So plan is, as usual, the short jaunt down Theory Lane, a pass through Hardware Square, and a turn back onto the ramp to the future. So, in the bowels of one of the strangest naming labs I have heard of yet, there exists a life force that makes seemingly inanimate objects, shall I say, shapeshift. The self-assembly lab at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology or is home to a number of researchers, including Julia Grassi, Bjorn Sparman, Ingrid Pauletti, and Skylar Tibbetts. In a paper released in January of this year, titled 4D Soft Material Systems, the authors described their work on something I have never heard of before. Well, actually more like a few things I've never heard of before. 4D printing, multi-material printing, and liquid printing. This research focused specifically on the work of combining elements of all of these technologies to make something even better. Let's go through them one by one first. So everyone's heard of 3D printing, I assume. A series of heaters melt plastic or metal or some sort of resin and extrude it through a nozzle onto a base. Now, first one, 4D printing doesn't mean they are bending time to create a cute little mug that returns to its casting temperature every 10 seconds or something like that. No, really it just means the structure that is printed will change or morph into something else once it is finished uh, printing through the process of internal or external forces or energies. Think either someone hitting it with a hammer or, you know, it falling down or um, some sort of internal chemical reaction, something like that. So, multi-material printing, number two, is done by extruding multiple materials simultaneously. The, the, the idea is pretty simple, that two or more materials can converge at the nozzle and are switched so rapidly, uh, basically the human eye cannot detect it. Finally, the last term, liquid printing, is by far the strangest one. The idea of liquid printing is a recent development from the self-assembly lab at MIT. The idea is to print liquid material into gel and then let it harden. This is several advantages compared to the traditional printing method. The print time, for one, is drastically reduced because of several reasons. One, you don't have to wait for a heater to melt the material. Also, two, in traditional printing, a structure has an o if a structure has an overhang, it will require support uh, during the printing process, which the computer can calculate and have the printer print up and then print the actual structure over it. But this takes time as well as um, a bunch of stock material. So liquid printing into a gel dispenses with this wastefulness almost altogether. So now back to the paper. The authors investigated creating a 4D material liquid printed structure. So that's combining all uh, three terms into one. Why? Well, they list a few reasons such as soft architectures, but we'll get into exact uh, some of the other uh, suggestions they make at the end of the episode. So how do they do it? How do they create this 4D multi-material liquid printed structure? They use a material called silicone, which also makes up a large portion of our rocks on this planet, um, actually, uh, which is uh, readily available to be printed in liquid slash gel form. They combine it with, uh, they combined it with ethanol, or which is also 
I'm sure people are aware from corn, to create a layered structure that will expand with heat uh, because of the ethanol trapped inside the silicate. So it, this uh, ethanol is sort of in its gaseous state, and as it heats up, it expands, causing all sorts of forms to come out of the printed uh, structure they made in the in the tank. They also created a passive 40 structure that shapeshifts due to a chemical reaction. So that that's uh, the internal one, and um, they use a material called PVS, also another sil silicate material, uh, but it's called PVS. It's it's an abbreviation for a very long, confusing <laughs> word. Now, they actually use two different types of PVS, pink and green is what they call them, and print them one on top of the other using a retarder and some other materials. So I think, so think of holding an ice cream sandwich uh, with one finger, because you are that dexterous. Um, and once it becomes exposed to the air for long enough, the ice cream will melt and the sandwich will begin to bend around your finger. So well, this material does essentially that, except it does so because it's exposed to air. And that's the sort of chemical reaction. They call this oil swelling. So they use this oil swelling PVS, a two-layered PVS structure to create stuff that uh, will curve by itself. Um, so it's like the sandwich uh, bends, one material bends faster than the other. So one of the layers is actually even uh, harder than the other, uh, preventing um, or causing a particular shape to come out. It's pretty neat. So how, how do they actually, uh, what do they actually do this with this? Let's let's go down by a hardware and testing square and take a closer look. So that was Theory Lane. Now we're moving on. For the silicone ethanol shape, they made something, the one, you know, filled with the gas. Uh, they made something, some interesting arches that morphed when they actively applied a uh, heat using a heat gun, uh, something you can often find uh, in an electrical bench, but we have few that we work with back at Transastra, um, and they just applied it for about a minute and 40 seconds until this thing morphed into a sort of an archway uh, from its previous flat state. Pretty neat. Uh, they said it was hard to contain um, the ethanol because uh, it became gaseous and ex escaped through the layers thanks to the uh, porous nature of silicone. They also made a star that grew in height in the center once exposed to the heat gun making it look more like a starfish, hence the title of the episode. It's kind of cool uh, looking, kind of uh, alien-like. For the passive PS, uh, PBS shapes, uh, they got a little creative. First, they started off with some simple circles that morphed into burritos all on their own and did so with varying degrees of curvature, depending on thickness and layers and such. Then they worked on something they called morphable fur. Yes, F-U-R, you heard that right. Morphable fur. Picture a flat brush that is a handle and whatnot. Now imagine it curling around itself into a cylindrical comb by itself. That's what they did. The issue with the morphable fur, so they have, you know, the little, uh, the little toothpicks coming out of a flat surface, and on the back they had sort of an S 
curve of another type of, of the pink PVS, uh, which must have uh, contracted uh, slower or faster, one of the two, uh, before the green PVS, which then curved around the uh, pink PVS in a, in a cylindrical fashion. And, that, and that's what I guess they call morphable fur. So that's what they did. The uh, issue with the passive layered system, of course, is that it's not reversible. So what gives? Getting back onto the on-ramp to the future, what could you imagine using this whack new technology for? They propose a few fancy ideas, like hybrid materials, soft shape uh, change interfaces, and wearables emotional interfaces. All fancy terms for nothing at all, in my opinion. I have a few thoughts. Starting off kind of plain, if you can control how a comb will bend once you've printed it, then that's a step you don't need an extra machine for in the manufacturing process. In fact, you could probably just pack it up as is and let it curl up once it is opened by the end user. Would be kind of a neat trick to see from the customer's perspective. <laughs> in terms of uh, personal care devices, though, I don't think that shape-shifting comb is the first thing that uh, would come to most people's minds. Anyway, uh, I was also thinking about furniture. Chairs that could conform to your body according to the heat you emit could be comfortable, especially on long road trips. Just a simple idea. I don't I'm sure there's things out there that do something along those lines, but this would be an application, I'd, I'd say. And lastly, I was thinking about bridges. They expand and contract through the seasons due to heat and cold, um, hot, cold days. A bridge made of, say, a lattice structure of the harder uh, PVS or, or even one of the silica silicone ethanol materials um, that prevents another part of the bridge from contracting uh, might make some sense as opposed to what we have now, which is, uh, I believe in most cases, just some wiggle room built into the bridge for things to expand and contract. So there's, there's some structural uh, aspects to it. I think what they wanted to hint at, though, were other architectural structures. Like, I imagine you could use something like this a start like the starfish structure I was talking about in a rescue scenario where a super strong structure needs to be deployed around some folks that are trapped under a bunch of debris. Or perhaps you might want a really small house one day and then a really big house the next. <laughs> Something like that on a cold or hot day. Or if you apply heat, then you could do that as well uh, with the silicone, ethanol, and uh, the PBS. So they mentioned, they also mentioned inflatable structures. I, I couldn't like, dive deeper into that because paper was restricted to members of this one random site, but uh, that could certainly have applications in the realm of space infrastructure. So, uh, which I have personal knowledge of. Okay, cruisers, that's been a longer show for sure. I hope you enjoyed it. I love digging through the papers and pulling out the best nuggets I think you will understand and enjoy. If you want to learn more about these things, check out the Self-Assembly Lab website. Uh, it's an MIT website. It's the first thing that'll pop up. Let me know on the new Reddit channel what you think you could create with this tech. I am really interested in what you'll come up with. I'll have Dave post uh, the, the research article I went through. And since he's now the manager for all things to do with the show. Again, thanks for sharing the show with your friends and family. New episodes every weekend. 
uh, check out the website uh, and uh, www.anchor.fm slash wellington slash frolic again and uh, always uh, and, and help out if you can as always feedback is fuel and we will be back in the leather bench rows seats next week So my song recommendation for this episode is called Drive by Ryopi, R-I-O-P-Y. Check it out.